Welcome to Photo Mission Focus, Discussing Photography, a podcast all about the things that we love about photography. This is Focus on Rotation, where I have different hosts joining me at the desk as we share and learn each week. Come and enjoy this week's episode with us. Welcome to Photo Mission Focus, Discussing Photography. Hi, I'm Steve Finkel. On this episode of Focus, I'm flying solo. On this episode of Focus, I thought I might talk about making that jump from maybe you're not charging for your work and actually starting to charge for work. I've had a lot of feedback from some of the recent podcasts that I've been putting out, and one was um, quite a bit of feedback from Selling Yourself Short, a podcast I did a couple of weeks ago. So I know there's a lot of people who are out there who are creating content and they're getting quite good at what they're doing at some point. I think they'd like to be able to start charging for it. Like quite often, they supplying the work uh, free of charge, which is which is fine if you're comfortable with that. But it's making that transition jump from giving something away and now actually trying to get some monetary reward for it. And this causes a lot of challenges for a lot of photographers how they're going to go about this. So, I mean, a lot of photographers aren't set up, I suppose, from the financial point of view of set up with. You know, they may not have an invoicing program or, or or some way of tracking. They start getting a few clients, and you've got you know, you're putting work out there, selling it, and then getting money back in and receiving it, having financial records to help aid you with your your tax at the end of the year to work out what to find out what monies you made from the pursuit of photography that you know stuff that you've sold. So a couple of things to consider if you're going to go down that path of you're going to start looking at going to be how you going to start charging for your work a couple of considerations most people this you know that will be still be a side gig so you might have your main form of employment so you have to think about i suppose the tax ramifications of extra income you make and how that'll be taxed because quite often you know when you work for a uh, what they call a payg employer where they basically pay your tax on your behalf each week you don't see your tax it just gets taken out sent off to the tax department and then when you do your annual return at the end of the year if you if you owe them anything or if you if they owe you anything you obviously sort that out and get a refund or you have to pay something so when you start say selling images um, on the side to people they are not going to be taking the tax out of it so you know if you say you maybe you're at one of the local sporting events and you're taking some photos and you then decide that you're going to sell these images um, and people are going to pay you by various different means. They're probably going to trans. These days, I mean, you know, there's not many cash transactions happen these days. Most people it's just done by PayPal or done by electronic funds transfer. So the money's going to come from their bank into your bank, and then you have to then obviously do something with it. Now, if you did a, a handful of transactions, it might, you know, over a year, it might say that it's really it's just a hobby and it's just a bit of income from the hobby, but um, you've got to always consider how the tax man will look at these things. So sometimes it's worth going and getting some independent um, tax advice about if you are going to kind of really start selling your work and setting up structures and that type of thing to record and document the, the sales. So you've basically got a record to be able to go back at the end of the year and say, yeah, I've, I've done done this. And the other thing is if you do get that independent advice about uh, from an accountant about um, some of the some of your expenses driving to the event and um, capturing the images buying memory cards or 
or whatever. Um, they could become tax deductions that you could use later in the year. But again, these types of things, you really need to get your head around it. You can kind of not fall short. I mean, I know people sometimes jump in and they start selling stuff and they've sold all this stuff and then they find, you know, they've got all this money in the bank and then they have to do their tax and then they find that they've actually got to pay the tax man a huge amount of money because if you've got money coming into your bank, quite often you're going to use that money to, to do things and not really thinking about the tax side of things. The other thing too is like if you do get to the point where you're actually selling quite a lot and there's a threshold for things like GST tax where you would need to charge GST and then do a um, you know, BAS return every three months or whatever, whatever reporting period you sign up for. Um, so these are all things to consider down the track that um, and a lot of people start off with selling just you know, maybe a handful of prints or a handful of, of digital images and it, it doesn't become too much of a problem, but then as time goes on and you start selling more, it can become a problem. But if you if you get in early at the front foot and understand that, you know, the percentage of that money is going to be potentially taxable income, um, you need to obviously put things into place so you make sure you don't get yourself caught out and end up owing the tax man a heap of money. So again, independent. It's going to see, because everyone's situation is going to be slightly different. It's going to depend on your job. I mean, um, in Australia, your first eighteen and a half thousand um, of your income is an, is uh, what they call like a tax threshold. Where if you only earned eighteen thousand dollars a year, you would not pay any tax on eighteen thousand because everyone gets that tax free threshold. But once you earn over eighteen thousand, there's different different tiers of taxation comes into play. So people will pay various different amounts of tax. So again, independent. Tax advice, maybe you mightn't have to spend a fortune, but you might find someone, you might know a friend who's, you know, is an accountant or, or works in an area who can give you a little bit of guidance. Because, um, again, if you're not making much money out of your photos at the moment, you probably don't want to pour a whole heap of money into getting all this advice, particularly if you don't, you know, keep selling them. Maybe you start off doing it and go, oh, it's too hard, the demands are too, too great, I don't want to do this. And then you don't want to have shelled out all this money kind of, um, setting up structures but you need to be mindful of these things from day dot so you don't end up like I said if it really does take off and go gangbusters that you're not kind of stuck in a situation where you're now got a problem to sort out so that's one of the things so now the next challenge for people is once you've kind of got I suppose your accounting practices and your structures in place one of the next challenges people have is okay what do I charge how much do I charge for a photo how do I keep track of what photos I've sold because, you know, the other thing too is like if you sell a photo and you you sell the digital file to somebody and you email it to them and then they decide to, to share that with, you know, 20 other friends, potentially, you know, you've lost income because they, they bought that file but that's not what your intention might have been that you sold that file to that person for their use, from, for, for their personal use, for their social media or what, or, you know, maybe they've got a business and they want to put it on a website or whatever, but you probably didn't intend it that they can then send it to 20 other people who can use it for various different purposes. So it's always good to have a really clear, I suppose, idea of what people can do with an image, like when you've sold them an image, um, and you can Google a lot of stuff around, you know, different contracts and different things, and there's a lot of stuff online where, you know, you get an idea of what, how people are doing structures like different um, photo platform sites will, will will have different tiers of royalty based on 
sometimes it's the size of the image. You know, if it's a very low res image and it's only ever going to be used for social media, you could have one set of pricing for that. If it was a more high res image that could potentially be a billboard or some other thing, then you're going to um, be able to charge more for that um, for that image. So again, you need to come up and say if you're selling someone from their local sporting thing and they want to buy some they want to buy some JPEG images to use on their social media, you could say yeah, they'll be low resolution JPEG, and you'd pick a size that was um, suitable kind of for social media purposes, but not um, suitable say to print in a larger format. And again, people have different ideas, but I mean, you might have a look at something where you where you have the image with um, 1600 pixels on the longest side, which will look great on social media, um, but it's not going to be able to be printed to a very large scale image because it'll be all pixelized. So these are things, you know, there's a lot of considerations that you need to sit down at the front end, I think, and think about. Again, putting together that the rules and regulations around the image itself and how they're going to get used. You know, some people are all excited when they fill the first image and, you know, great, but then they don't realise and it gets passed around. So you want to have a bit of control over the images and state to the person who's buying it, this is, I'm, I'm selling you this image for the purposes of, you know, social media, uh, da, 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 da. And like I said, you can look up the various different, um, I suppose, rules around how people structure the selling of images things like you know there's there's platforms out there that people submit images to that then they, they're the broker so they actually on sell them and you'll see on some of those sites you can see how they price different things and it's you know how it's going ultimately how the image is going to be used is it's going to dictate the price same for instance if say someone wanted to buy one of your images and they said no i want it exclusively because i want this image to go on my website I don't want you know this image popping up everywhere else. I want it exclusive. There, you know, and people do do that. People do pay extra money for an exclusive um, use rights of an image. And again, it's getting your head around these things and and trying to work out how you're going to do that. So you know, and it's better to have have the answers to these questions before they're asked of you because once you know, people start asking, you've got to go and start thinking about it. Brings up you know a whole range of different issues for you as well. So potentially you want to kind of have a pretty good idea and start on a bit of paper and, and start writing down saying, okay, if the person wants it for this purpose, I'm going to charge this or if, or this is or this is going to be the rules around how I'm going to actually license that image. So once you've kind of worked out that structure and then and had a, everything in writing is the best thing to do because if you tell someone verbally, they'll forget. Um, oh, I didn't realise you meant I couldn't use it on this and that. Um, but again, if you just put it in writing and, you know, even some people put things in there saying, you know, if you want to use this image for this purpose, then you need to talk to us about, you know, buying the rights to do it, um, using it in that particular way. So just be really clear about what you're doing and, and how you're actually licensing that image to the person who's, who's buying it. The next big challenge is, okay, how much do you charge? So, you know, say for instance, if someone wanted a printed image, Say someone was purchasing an image to hang in a boardroom, so you know it's going to be they want to print, um, and it might be a large print. Again, so you're going to have to have some ideas around, you know, if you're going to go and organise that print, you know, whether you're going to have to need to get it framed and and have it ready to hang, or whether they'll organise to have it. You, know, you provide them a print that's ready to frame, and they they organise that. Those things are things that you can think about. Sometimes it's not not bad if you you know potentially going to have a few customers like that talk to someone like one of your local framers 
in the area who does picture framing and get some ideas and prices and 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 always approach it in the way that you're you're in business. So in in business, there's two levels of pricing. There's retail pricing. So that's the person who walks off the street, comes up to the counter and says, "Hey, I want to buy a picture. I've got this picture. I want you to put a frame around it for me." And they go, "Yep, that's going to cost you you know a hundred bucks to do that particular size frame." Then the other type of pricing that exists in the business world is wholesale pricing. So wholesale pricing is typically someone who's who's on selling it. So basically, you know, you're buying it um, slightly cheaper so you can still mark it up and still make something. So again, when you go talking to um, people like, you know, framers and different things, you say, you know, if you're on selling the picture, say, oh, look, I'm on selling the picture, so I'm a reseller. Um, what's your wholesale pricing you can do for me on a frame, you know, on a, on a an A3 framed um, print? And again, if you start talking, and they'll they'll respect the fact that you're kind of, talking their lingo and starting to understand that, you know, you can buy stuff a little bit better, which then gives you a bit more margin to play with. So obviously yeah, it makes you, gives you the opportunity to make a little bit of money on the framing side of it as well. So you might end up selling the frame to the the end user, the framing component at the same price as what they would go and if they went and bought it over the counter, except you're going to make that little bit of extra margin because obviously you're you're selling them the print as well, so you're actually making margin on the print as well. So this is always a challenge for working out, you know, things like your framing and different other aspects of it. You can go off and get prices and quotes and that type of thing so you know what you're dealing with. Then actually the, the actual print content, the actual image, you know, coming up with the pricing for that is much more difficult because obviously there's a lot of variations. But what you can do is... You can do a few things to help you. I mean, you can ask around other photographers who are doing similar, and some may share that information with you, some may not. But there is a way of getting that information, and it's an old tried and trusted marketing method, which is mystery shopping. And, you know, mystery shopping is basically happens like every, you know, so many companies use mystery shopping to to scope out what their opposition is doing. So basically what they'll do is they'll be, you know, have someone pretend to be a potential customer and inquire about certain things. Um, you know, oh, I'm, I'm after, you know, from that last um, weekend, you know, athletics carnival, that one you had of the person running across the finish line, you know, that's my, my, um, that's my granddaughter and how much would you charge for it? You know, how much would it cost me to get a print copy of that? And again, you know, pretending yourself, pretending to be a potential customer will give you some idea. And like I said, so there's a couple of things you should do before you go on a mystery shopping exercise for marketing. And one is, is set yourself up with a like a generic type Gmail or Hotmail or one of those other free emails, which doesn't give too much away because obviously if you're, you know, people potentially might know who you are if you use your kind of normal email account, then you can obviously um, just say, you know, this is, oh, this is my preferred contact because quite often people say, oh, well, I'll send you some pricing. What's your email? So you, you want to have an email kind of ready to go, but you'd like I said, don't want to give out your mainstream email. You just use that email purely for things like um, for mystery shopping and for marketing purposes. And that way it gives you a little bit of, um, I suppose, uh, a little bit of stealth, a little bit of stealth there. Um, look, some people will ask for a, for a phone number. And again, if you give out your phone number, it can be a little bit um, daunting um, because obviously, you know, if it's a phone that you're using potentially for your own work stuff, you know, that number could be published somewhere, so you don't really want to do it. 
So when you, if you are phoning people, you can actually do things like there is, um, which a lot of you know, people who do mystery shopping type stuff will actually, and you could just Google this, how to actually um, block your number to make your number private when you call somebody. There's a, in Australia, there's a, there's a sequence, and I think most other countries around the world will have similar type of stuff where there's a sequence you can dial before your number and basically your number doesn't come up as a, as a number at the other end, so they just see a private number calling. Um, again, if you're just trying to keep that thing. And the other thing that stops people, like sometimes once you do give out your number to one of these, um, sometimes it goes into their marketing department and they just start spamming you with stuff. So, you know, sometimes people will do it for legitimate reasons as well, just not to get spammed with with um with text messages which is you know become a bit of an issue at the moment there's a lot of people um getting those type of spammy type text messages so that's one way of actually like i said kind of i suppose sniffing out the your opposition getting an idea of your competition and the other thing too is you'll know obviously you need to be in the ballpark if you will basically um say no no i'm going to charge two hundred dollars for every picture i sell you're probably not going to sell many pictures, you know, if they're just from a local sporting thing. You need to be realistic about what other people might be charging so you get within the market. So you want to be either you want to either be on par with them or, you know, you can actually go even a little bit higher on them than people because then you can say to people, oh, well, I can offer you. If you buy 10, I can offer you a discount. Um, I can knock the price down to this. Or if you, um, you might be able to, you know, value add to it in such a way or it might be that your skill level is so good in a particular in a particular field that you're constantly producing really good quality images. You know, a lot of times there's um, a lot of the motor racing tracks around Australia. They have a lot of like club days, and the club days are where people come out in their in their you know generally their street cars and they're driving around the track. and And if you're if you're a good a confident photographer that can nail off good panning shots of the cars going around the racetrack quite often it's easy to come up to those people after you know after they've come off the track and just said I've got some really good images of your car going around if you're interested you know happy to sell you a couple of images here's my card here's my email and you could even like um, send them a kind of really low low res kind of thumbnail picture say well this is this is what it looks like but again just be mindful if you send someone something that's big enough for them to whack up on their social media they're probably just going to take it and do it so again, being in control and understanding that you know you're in you're in this for a business and this part of it you need to treat like a business. You know you don't go into Coles and pick up a whole lot of stuff off the shelf and just go oh you know what I just really want oh I just really want this little bit and you take a little bit off off a you know bunch of grapes and walk in oh well this is a sample you know like it's nothing big, not going to happen. So again you know if you send a sample image. You want it to be kind of small enough that it just gives the person a, a bit of a taste. Um, like when you, um, you know, sometimes when you're in that supermarket, you know, outside the deli, there'll be a girl there from one of the small goods factories handing out pieces of um, one of their small goods and saying, hey, you want to try this new cheesy cabana with, you know, onion and whatever and whatever. And, yeah, it's got a small piece on a on a toothpick that you can try and taste. A bit like that, you want to give that little kind of, taste test sample but really you know that's not going to satisfy you if it's something you like you want you want the whole you're going to buy the whole stick of cabana to take home so similarly you think about that um how you actually you know you, you, ways you can connect with people um and again but strategizing 
and and knowing your pricing based on your skill level. Now, obviously, some people will go, well, you know, I'm not that, I don't have a lot of experience in this particular field, but I am getting pretty good shots, and you and you can price accordingly. And again, you know, there's a there's a kind of a trap that people fall into business, and it's and it's called race to the bottom. And race to the bottom happens because people undervalue what they've got so they think well the only way I can actually sell it is I've got to make it cheaper than everybody else and if I make it cheaper than everyone else then everyone will come to me to buy it the strategy that strategy unfortunately is flawed because what happens is it's a race to the bottom because you know potentially if you do get traction with that model that then all of a sudden you're taking business away from other photographers in the area similar thing so they drop all their prices um, and they might drop their prices just under your price. So what do you have to? Where, where do you go? Well, you've got to drop lower. So again, it's you know that's why it's called a race to the bottom strategy. And race to the bottom strategies never really work. So the idea is really you know you you have a price and you kind of stick to that price. But what you do is you have reasons why you are at that price. You know you you think about why is your images why are your images worth that amount. And these are the types of, um, I suppose, conversations and the language that you put around those images when you're talking to potential uh, customers who might buy them. You know, like I said, you can just say, you know, you know, my images are shot on a, you know, on a on a camera. It's got a 45 megapixel sensor, so you can print. You can potentially you could print up to, you know, print one as big as you want to put on your lounge room wall. You know, you say I shoot. I always shoot all my stuff at very very high resolution. I always do um, post-production, so I clean up any kind of untidy details that might end up in the shot. Sometimes you'll end up, you know, um, there'll be a great shot, but there'll be, a, there'll be a little bit of trash or something on the on the track or something, a little bit of something in the background which is distracting. So people will go and clean that up. So you say, you know, look, I'd clean the images up so they're kind of nice, you know, nicely presented and have all your reasons, I suppose, have a bunch of reasons why your, um, why your images are going to be better than the next person and again then strive to deliver that all the time so yeah and the other strategy what you can do is you know a lot of successful businesses are done and that's kind of the using the under promise over delivered method and what i'm talking about there is you know basically you'll say to people i'm going to supply you xxx in this time frame blah 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 and then but what you end up doing you supply them maybe a bonus shot and you deliver it you know three days earlier so what you've done there is you've you've um, under promised what you've, we're going to do, but you've over delivered, and people love that love the fact that oh look I've, I've especially rushed these through for you, so I knew you'd be keen to get them. As you know, normally we'd take seven days to process them, but I've been able to turn them around in three days for you or whatever. So these are techniques that you can use to basically um, help you stand out from the crowd or help you make that point of difference, and. Whenever you're doing marketing, you know, if you've got a point of difference, you need to tell people about it. No point having a point of difference and being completely silent and not talking about it because basically what will happen is um, it, that's just lost then. It's, you know, you need to tell people. If you've got something good, shout about it. And that's what, you know, successful businesses do. They're, they'll talk about their strong points. And, you know, as a photographer, that's what you should be emphasising and working on, the stuff that you're really strong at, the images that you're really good at creating you're like I said if you take you know at the local motor racing track and you've really put a lot of effort into learning how to pan and get really good panning shots you know you can actually say oh look you know these are the type of style of pictures I present 
Um, I do a lot of panning shots so you can see your car. It looks like it's flying down the racetrack. really looks good because the background's all blurred and the car's really sharp and you can see all the details. And again, those types of things is what sells pictures. Like people love a nice picture, like a good picture. Um, everyone appreciates a great picture. And if you can strive to get those really good images and like I said, if you practice and you've got a particular style that you're really good at, then talk about that. You know, talk it up. Say, yeah, look, I'm, I do this, I do that. The other thing is, um, you know, whenever you're selling something, you want to sell, you want to, you know, potentially, you want to sell as many as possible. And you'll see quite often, often you'll see the marketing um, tricks that you know retailers use, where they bundle stuff together. So you know, you know, buy three of these and get one free. Um, so if you bought, you know, you bought three of an item and you got one free, essentially you're getting a 25% discount. So people sometimes will bundle stuff up. So you'll see that thing, you know, buy 10 and get one free. So if you bought 10 and you got one free, you're getting like a, you know, a 10% discount. So again, it's, um, thinking about sometimes that you might be able to say to people that they say, oh yeah, I want to get a shot of this and this and this. And if you did take some really good shots of the car racing around the racetrack, and quite often, like in these type of days, they usually have a pit area, um, so you can come down after they've been around the track and and say, "I've got a couple of really good shots for you." But I really think what would be really great, I'd like to get a shot of you sitting in the car, like you're ready to drive off, um, shot through the window, type of thing, to add to it. So you can you've got a series of shots around that, so you're telling a bit of the story. This person's gone to the racetrack, they've got in the car, and they've gone out on the track, and you know they've been racing around the racetrack. So you've got these. Um, a couple of images so you can think about putting together like I said capturing some other images not just the on the track images because that way then you've potentially got another image you can sell somebody um, and you can say this will look really good with this main picture in the middle of frame you know the big the big blow up picture in the middle of the car racing around panning shot nice that and then around that picture a couple of other shots of the car maybe sitting at sitting at ready to cake off the person to close up of the person sitting in the car ready to go that type of thing and they might have their armband on or something because sometimes quite often on these particular uh, days you know the, the people who go on track need, need to do a briefing so they'll get an armband to say that they've been briefed and you know get that in the shot as well so they're all part of that story and again it just helps you potentially have more to sell to somebody you know if you've just got um, them racing in the track that's great and people will be happy to buy that. But then again, if you add that, do that little bit of value. And this could be your point of difference that, that the next guy doesn't do. The guy who goes there and he just sits there and concentrates on getting really good panning shots. But he doesn't, that tells a part of the story, but it doesn't tell the whole story. So basically they don't go and get those after the, the shots, you know, of the car taking off. And if you see someone with a nice car, you'll, you, you get to know who, like people who kind of love their cars and really, put a lot of time and effort in preparing their car, making it look great, you know, doing some modifications. They're the type of people who'd love to kind of get those shots, those hero shots of the car. So you can sometimes you can work out who your potential customers might be. And again, it's all about marketing. So whenever you go somewhere, you need to look at what your what your market, who's your potential market. Sometimes it's uh, people that you can do. The other thing too, you can also reach out to things like local car clubs because all these, like I said, car clubs. And you can just say, I'm going to be at the local racetrack. I know you guys are having a meet there on this weekend. I'm going to be there trying to capture some pictures. Is there anyone in particular who'd like 
to get some pictures of their car. So then they say, "Oh yeah, I've got like a, I've got a you know particular car, and I, you know, I've just got it back, I've just got it back on the road, so it's going to be kind of the first time back and been driving it. I'd love to get some pictures of it." And again, so sometimes you can reach out to car clubs and actually have a bit of, I suppose, a a conversation before the actual um, event, so you can actually potentially have a person, you know, locked away, to, um, potentially to sell something too. So this episode of Focus has been talking about making that transition from, you know, taking shots at your local um, events to then actually getting them to a point where you can start selling them and making some money. And again, it might be, and it can be done at whatever pace you're comfortable with. Some people might just want to be able to sell a few um, prints to maybe pay the fuel costs or, or, or some of the other incidental costs of going to these things. Because obviously, if you go there and you drive from you know, A to B and then you get there, then you buy something to eat and then you spend, you know, you spend six hours at the racetrack shooting cars. And, you, and well, often people do it, you know, just for the pure fun and pleasure of photography and the challenge of themselves. But then if you want to start, say, turning it into a business and actually making some money, then you need to start thinking about, okay, well, I need to cover off the cost of getting there, getting home, um, feeding myself there, and any other you know gate fees to get in. Um, because quite often when you come into these events, there is an, um, an admission fee that you have to pay to get in there. So these are the things, like I said, to think about, A, firstly, your structure, how you're going to kind of structure it, how you're going to manage it, whether you get a little software program or you do some, you know, um, some paper records to start with, so you, you know, write everything down so you've got a record of it. Get some advice on how to manage some of those things. Then also then to understand your market and pricing and understand how you're going to price yourself and where you're going to sit in the market, and to do some market research to see what other potential people are selling. And you do see like a lot of people have on their sites, you know, if you want to buy these pictures, contact me for details. And again. It's good to understand what your what your um, competition's doing because if you know what your competition's doing, you can be pricing yourself in the correct thing. So again, but don't fall into the trap of thinking, well, oh, people don't know who I am, so I'm going to have to be really cheap just to get them in. That is the race to the bottom strategy. You don't really want to engage in that type of strategy. You want to try and get to a point where you're comfortable with your skill set that you can go in and you can sell yourself on your skill set and what you can bring to the table and what you can offer in those pictures and then you can charge accordingly for it. So I hope this has got you thinking about maybe taking that plunge and getting some you know getting some reward for the effort that you've put into capturing these images and like I said this is just a, a bit of an idea to kind of get you started and thinking about it. Anyway, until next time Enjoy your photography and we'll talk again real soon. See ya. That's all for this episode this week. Thanks for listening. If you have enjoyed the show, please leave us a comment and don't forget to follow us on your favourite podcast app and social media sites. Remember, photography is a pursuit where there's always something new to learn. Safe and happy shooting, everyone.